Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2023. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them... And Della, she, her. And we're here today to talk about the mutant problem, so I'd like to put this question to our <laughs> panelists. Mutants, threat or menace? It depends. Mm. Mutants are a metaphor for what in this day and age? Because originally it was racism, but it could be queer people now, so... Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's queer people. I I think they might be a threat, but, um, you know, in escalated situations, a menace. Yeah, I I think they're they're threat if you're trying to have a boring time. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. Yes, we definitely prefer uh, queer menace, mutant menace. Very measured responses. (laughs) Yeah, no, the mutant metaphor is always kind of one size fits all. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you can't read it as a like what's the word an analogy mm-hmm. it's never like an analogy but like you can kind of in any given story have it kind of be like a racial thing or sometimes even a cultural I, thing or like an identity uh, thing like i also i almost want to say allegory but that's not right because it's not that directed it's, never, it's just it, it's just metaphor it's like the loose definition of metaphor basically right. like this is a figurative thing that we are using representationally to describe the problems of the world. And I feel like there should be a more specific term for it, but I, I, I guess what I'm thinking is that we just kind of bounce, X-Men bounces around a lot yeah. around what, it's based on the individual story, I think, how they're using the concept of being immune. Absolutely. And I think like there's individual stories that try to like kind of draw a more direct comparison, but I think often they don't really work very well. And it's kind of best when it's just kind of like a generalized, like, otherness difference and you can kind of, like, do what, yeah. like, read into it in different ways. Yeah, it probably is a case-by-case basis. Because mm-hmm. I think they had, a, like, um, like when the, one of the first Marvel Pride uh, voices thing, that, that they had a, a, a X-Men story with mutants and it was, like, a trans... I think that was a trans character, mm-hmm. like, mm. specifically. So, like, it, it is a one-size-fits-all metaphor. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, ultimately... Yeah, I mean, you could say, I guess you could generalize and say it's a, yeah, it's just a metaphor for persecution. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, this fanfic we're reading today is movie based, and X2 did have that great, have you tried not being a mutant line? <laughs> yeah. With like Bobby's parents. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a great line. It is. It, I really love too that this, uh, you know, that the, metaphor i'm just gonna keep calling it metaphor yeah, that's okay can be adapted in so many ways um it wasn't something i was really thinking about i was like huh i mean you know you could you can lean into obviously like the queer narrative there mm-hmm. like have you tried not being um <laughs> yes or, like for, for people, 30 years yes <laughs> also say that about like <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> But like people also say that about mental health, you know? Yeah, right, and, right, right. Um, and any sort of othering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, except people don't usually say if you tried not being a specific race or ethnicity. <laughs> well, for people that are like but, blink passing, sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they've tried doing that in X Men too, with like kind of this, you know, call out where like most most of the classic X Men characters look like actually very attractive, you know, non mutant people, mm-hmm. and so like. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's clumsily done, but with things like, you know, even the Claremont era, the Morlocks, where it's like, these are the people who cannot pass for not being a mutant. Yeah. And like, how does that differentiate things? And then sometimes, sometimes Claremont does dumb things like have, you know, Nightcrawler be all like, I want to be judged by, (laughs) by my actions, not by my outsides. I'm a model minority. And it's like, okay, like, fuck you, Kurt. But even so, (laughs) um, you know, other times there's like authors do fun stuff with that also like, like but weren't we on a on a call like being the first x-men issue talking about how angel was wearing a binder <laughs> right yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well and that's like um that's really i think related to you know the passing privilege and and the same thing we're talking about in this you know allegory or whatever is that like passing privilege is a term adapted from you know mostly black people who could pass mm-hmm. as white or mm-hmm. you know mixed race people rather who could pass as white and then the trans community took that term in as well and a lot 
you know, actually something that this story implies that 75 or states that 75 percent of mutants um, have some sort of physiological, like visible physiological mm-hmm. diff or visible difference. So I guess it's all kind of physiological in there, but some sort of right. visible difference to their body. OK, so like, yeah, I I don't know. That's it's interesting. I don't know what else to say. What's the name of this fanfic we're reading? It's called The Mutant Problem. And um, the author describes it as, what's the term she uses? I'm, I'm going into the, like, the author notes here. Um, this is pretty new for us, isn't it? 2015? Uh, it's actually 2009. Mm. The, uh, the article Peter Parker wrote is in 2015. Oh, that's right. I was looking at the comments in there in 2009. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So this the author refers the to it as a Fanish project. <laughs> oh, Fanish project, which is not wrong. I I I feel safe saying it's a fanfic, fan work definitely. It's oh. definitely a fan work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only reason they kind of refer to it that it's definitely definitely fanfic, um, because it's telling it's kind of its own story about each of these characters. It's just it's framing it um, as if. Parker is Peter Parker is published this article in the New York Times. Yeah. What we're yes. looking at here is a website where the template was a downloaded New York Times article website that had been modified. Right. And then presented as if it was Peter Parker writing an article for the New York Times and be, being published online. Yes. Yes. Or rather, um, a series of he's it's a photojournalism right. series. So he has brief interviews with Gosh, I didn't count how many, but a bunch of mutants um, and has a photo for each one of those. I want to say 37, if my math is right. I'm just looking at it's six times five. I'm sorry, 32. Um, yeah, th- there are 32 like brief articles. It's presented as if it was a series that he did for The New York Times that was, you know, serialized, but he's now kind of like uh consolidating here or then you know writing an introduction to Mm. um and so yeah i guess you know technically it's a spider-man x-men crossover and specifically it's a spider-man the toby Maguire movies x-men the x-men movies from that same era crossover right uh because it it is very concerned with the specific events of uh, i mean it's not very concerned it is grounded in the specific events of x2 specifically yeah yeah, and that's kind of the whole frame of the narrative is that Peter Parker after um, Black Tuesday. Yes, which is the name for that time yeah. when everybody in the world experienced <laughs> excruciating pain. You know, that, yeah. that probably everybody would remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so like after this happened, um, obviously J- Jonah Jameson being the asshole he is, um, has asked at that time. Right asked Peter, I think when he was, yeah, he was still in college, I believe, to um, to do a, a, like an art, a photo journal, t- take photos for articles on the quote unquote, the mutant problem. Right. Hence mm-hmm. the title. And blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I should elaborate in case people haven't seen X2 recently. Oh, yeah. What, <laughs> what happened is that like uh, brainwashed Xavier was hooked up to Cerebro and been and told like kill all the mutants with your mind bullets. Well, it was <laughs> <laughs> fire okay. away. I'm, I'm going to correct, but that's actually what I wanted to be. It was just concentrate <laughs> on them so much, and the Cerebro will amplify it with Professor X's power to make their minds go pop. Right. So every mutant, I, I mean, one would I would assume in more pain the closer they were to that central area but that was not that's not established in this fanfic or in the movie but you know whatever well, like Mut- cerebral's power is like godlike so yeah, sure. i don't think it matters okay so mut- mutants all over the world suddenly like collapse clutching their head in excruciating pain and then a little bit later magneto swoops in and is like oh actually actually charles do that for all the humans and so then all of the non-mutants in the world are in excruciating pain for a little yeah. while. And like, it's the, it's just kind of, ha- it's in the movie and it's like, oh, high stakes. This is the dramatic end of the movie. But you don't really think about like the social consequences of that afterwards. And the social consequences include, for one thing, suddenly people being extra freaked out about mutants. And for another thing, a whole lot of mutants being outed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I shall also appreciate the, the nod that there isn't a consensus over what happened or why. No, even though Xavier came out eventually and was like, uh, hey, here's what happened. Yeah, and instead, instead yeah. people like didn't believe there's conspiracy theory 
theories and as a post COVID world, I really appreciate that, that take on the view. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Cause like, uh, yeah, Xavier goes on CNN and ev- eventually, oh, just now, just in kind of the present of this fan fiction, which is 2015, um, which is 10 years. Well, it's weird because like, oh yeah, 10 years later, it's 10 years later, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Peter kind of says is that he, when he does most of what's written is 10 years. This is all written 10 years after the Black Tuesday event. Right. Woof. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like, he basically... This is narrated by Peter, by the way, because obviously it's his photojournalism essay. Mm-hmm. So he's got this kind of, let's start here. He's got this um, frame narrative. I want right. to say this, like, that's what the I was going to call it. reason why right. he's doing this project. And that's kind of like the first thing that you read is like the reason why Peter is doing this. And I guess we could just go back and talk about the fact that he lived in the same building with Doug Ramsey and right. they were when they were going to college at Columbia. How this fits in with the Spider-Man movies, I don't know or care, but like... So like, I'm like partially aware of X-Men stuff. Who is Doug Ramsey? Doug Ramsey Cypher. is... A, yeah, he's Cypher. He's a character who was introduced in Chris Claremont's X-Men originally to be a super nerdy friend of Kitty Pride, who was <laughs> the super nerdy audience identification character, right? Mm-hmm. But later on, they're like, oh, and he's a mutant. And his mutant power is languages which is one that would be so great to have awesome um i want that (laughs) and so (laughs) he was a character in new mutants for a long time before fans complained about his non-combat power and that kind of thing and he was kind of killed off by the authors who were like fine you want us to like freaking kill doug we will and they did and so i say that not because it's relevant to this story doug is not dead in this story but the absence of doug ramsey was kind of a big deal in X-Men comics for a long time. The fact Ah. that he died. Mm. And in this story, what happens in this frame narrative is that he's a friend of Peter's. They live in like their super nerdy, like, you know, shared, you know, dorm or whatever in college. But then, you know, it becomes apparent that he's a mutant after Black Tuesday. But even knowing that, Peter takes this job from Jameson to do the like the mutant problem, you know, pictures. And Doug kind of takes off. And Peter, yeah, it's the day the article is published. Right, Doug and, disappears completely, and Oliver, all is like he leaves his stuff too, right? Uh, does it say that? I think so. And so Peter doesn't know like where he got off to, and obviously Peter feels extremely guilty about this, both because he should and because he is Peter Parker, and feeling guilty is his primary motivating emotion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and but like he. He kind of should. Oh, no, right? he, he should. Like, he should. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what was published in the article. Obviously, Peter didn't but, but, write but you, the article. But you he know, if Jameson's pictures. having a like the mutant yeah. problem article, it was not a, it was not good. And Peter's saying like he really needed the money. It paid really, really well. He did it, even though he didn't like necessarily agree with it. Yeah. But he shouldn't have. It's that Gen X uh, work mentality. Yeah. Or, you know, you're doing bad things, but you're supposed to be working. So this is what you do. Exactly. And so that's just why I'm saying we're like. Doug doesn't appear in the rest of this. It's just kind of the, you know, that's that's the backstory. And the absence of Doug looms over the rest of, like, Peter's experience going and, like, talking to mutants and trying to kind of present them in more of a, like, sympathetic way in the media. Right. And I think I really like his line at the the end of, you know, his little, I don't even know what you call it, intro to his work here. It's like, um, the more romantic... Uh, let's see. Yeah. Even now I'm thinking Doug would love would have loved to hear about this. The more romantic would call it penance, but I consider it a call. I'm sorry I wasn't asked, Doug. Give me a call. We're long overdue for a D&D campaign, buddy. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, he's saying it like it's he feels guilty, but he doesn't consider it penance. He's actually just reaching out to his friend. I'd also like to comment that this being a photojournalism essay, it's got pictures of each of the the mutants that he interviews briefly and one thing i like is that most of those pictures are you know professional pictures that like the author took and adapted yeah at the end of the introduction there's a picture of doug and it's in no way professional it's like a snapshot that you know someone took at some point in college not paying attention to anything and like i just i just appreciate that it's kind of blurry it's not blurry there's like like some shadow in the corner it's like totally just I mean, the only thing about it is I have no idea what Doug's doing. He's like, I don't know, in front of a door? <laughs> like, That's a total hanging out 
early 90s picture. Yeah. yeah. But but I, I appreciated that attention to detail of like the visual aspect of it. Well, yeah. And, and actually, I think it, it is someone like the composition is really interesting. Like he's in front of this red door. And I just I think it's definitely showing that Peter Parker has photography skills, but he took this on like a shit Polaroid <laughs> camera or something, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And then it, it, the last thing in the introduction I just want to comment that Peter Parker is a genetics professor at Columbia University, one of the youngest recipients of the UN Bioethics Award and a freelance photographer. And that's something the comics have done occasionally when they remember that, oh, actually, this guy's a scientific genius. So we, should, <laughs> we should probably give him like some super classy science job. Right. I always think it's hilarious that like, yeah, <laughs> like he could be talented in multiple things. But like, why is there such a focus on his photography <laughs> When he's actually a fucking science genius, like it's interesting because yeah. they go like, "Yeah, he is poor, but he is white, so we should put him in the upper echelon somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just funny how like Spider-Man comics in particular just kind of keep going back and forth, and like, well, everyone wants him to be down and out, but like, it's kind of hard to justify that sometimes. Anyway, yeah, that's all. That's fair. <laughs> so then the rest of it is. Um, is yes, very brief articles accompanying about his interviews with various mutants accompanying a photograph of that person. And for the most part, they're referred to by first names, except in the cases where I guess they identify by another name. And that's something that X-Men comics have been doing a lot of very recently, is this like the 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 subculture of mutants and how people sometimes want to abandon their the name that they were born with in in order to take a more like mutant code name type name. Yeah. But in this case, most people do not. I think, glancing at the list, Skids, Richter, Rogue, and Sunfire, and Blindfold. That's mm -hmm. like five out of the whatever we said, like 32 30s. of yeah, them. Yeah. And there's like people that have like their professional names and their personal names and some right. people where that's the same thing and mm -hmm. etc. Um, and these are mostly, as you would expect, X-Men characters that we know to a greater or lesser extent um, I, the only one I had to look up to be like, wait, who is that? Was um, was the 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 third Thunderbird or second Thunderbird or whatever? What's his name? I, um, I, I don't know a lot of these. I recognize, Neil Shera. I recognize some. Oh, the yeah, others, I, I guess through Marvel Snap connections. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't recognize Neil either. I uh, I didn't. There. Oh, oh, Leech. Leech also just has you know his his mutant D name. Anyway, ah, yes, there there were several others I also didn't recognize, though, but I didn't actually take the time to look everyone up. That's fine. Um, you kind of have to take them on their own terms here anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just presented as an expose. Yeah. Like a. This is meant to be read as one article. So, yeah, it's. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm agreeing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, even though this does in this universe take place over over time, you know, mm -hmm. um, that there was a period where like Peter couldn't find anyone to photograph. So there's like a narrative to hear in a way. Like you can kind of see, oh uh, yeah, it's little tidbits. These, let me also just say each, um, obviously he's a photographer, not really a writer, mm -hmm. even though he writes quite well, but he does short interviews. Like each of these 32 is just, my gosh, a hundred words or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is like 8,000 words or something. So yeah. I don't know. All included. They vary a little we, bit. We could do the math, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's that word for quick fanfics? Um, uh, it's some, it was something cool. <laughs> well, spam fic, but that's not that. That implies no, like, that like it's a, like, like a blog ficlet. I'm distracting myself. Go on. Baby fanfics. <laughs> no, there's something <laughs> fanfics that haven't grown up yet. <laughs> we're, we're like, we're like technically, it's a hundred word fanfic. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. What's the word? Yeah, I'll, I'll drabble. 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 Yeah. It's almost, it is like a drabble about each character. That is true. Yeah. And um, the focus is what he talks about with them varies. So in some cases, he's very much talking about their experience like as a mutant. Um, like, for example, let's say uh, Angel. What's his name? War Warren Worthington. The third. <laughs> the third. The third. The third. <laughs> like, that's that's all about his wing care. That's kind of what the inter the focus of the interview is about, and like what it takes to you know maintain his wings and keep them healthy and all that kind of thing. But for example, there's also let's say 
I remember Danny Moonstar. How about mm-hmm. that's about her job as a U.S. marshal, and it doesn't. Yeah, it in it doesn't touch even in a slightest way on the fact that she's a mutant. And I I don't know like any thoughts about this. Well, no, it's good because it's the uh, the framing of it, like the the name of the fanfic is the mutant problem, right. and it's just showing like oh these are people they're not actually a problem right but you know it, yeah but anyways <laughs> <laughs> just a menace yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but but not anybody that should be on the outskirts of society just because they're a mutant period mm-hmm. and like what Tori was talking about before that one guy re- referenced like 75 percent of mutants have like external um mutations m- mutations yeah. that, that physically identify them and like the ones that don't I imagine it would scare everybody else and like maybe don't be scared. <laughs> now, I do want to say this is an inherited problem. 75% of these mutants don't have a visible. Oh, know. I know. I mm-hmm. was like really surprised when that and, was brought up by one of the interviewees. I can't remember who, yeah. but. But th- that that's the thing is that, you know, it's based on the X-Men movies. Everyone kind of looks like a movie star. It's all the pretty people. It's, mm-hmm. They're so pretty. <laughs> They're so very pretty. And like I said, it's a problem they inherited both from the movies and from the comics that mm-hmm. the movies are based on. Mm-hmm. But like it, it kind of stands out when you see Victor at the very end and you're like, oh, he's green. Yeah. I, I guess there's him, Beast and Kurt. But, th- but then the next That's one a- yeah. after Victor is is Storm. I know. Ororo. <laughs> no, yeah. That's not. <laughs> Don't feel that that bad physically <laughs> right. she's just the most beautiful person yes right <laughs> yeah i mean her hair is white though oh <gasps> i mean i'm just saying like if you count that i mean that, i don't think that's what they were that is something i know like, i'm joking but like that, sometimes, that could be. Yeah. sometimes she has cat eyes in the comics she does anyway mm-hmm. what uh, just how the artist wanted to draw her like you know Based on whatever previous, yeah, there was. There's never any justification design. for that. I don't think comic continuity. I don't. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry. I don't think she does in the movies. So yeah, no. Um, but anyway, yes, that's the thing. You have to put up with a whole lot of movie star beautiful people. And by the way, this does. Um, this does bring me to the point that many of these people are precast. Right? It's like. This is a picture of Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. or in other cases, like this is a picture of. I don't know, whoever played some, who was in a movie? Um, <laughs> Elliot Page as uh, Kitty. Okay, yeah. but but I don't think that's a picture of Correct, Ellen Page like, as Kitty, right? It's a picture of Ellen Page. Elliot of Page. Elliot Page. Elliot but, Page, sorry. Yeah, Elliot uh, Page. I, I, sorry, I, I was just looking at the, oh, the page sure. list here. You're yeah. right, you're right. It is. It's not actually. Oh, I see what you mean. Right. So that's what I'm getting at is that in some cases, the author just used pictures of the person who played the character. Very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, It looks like Jubilee is a cosplayer. As far as I can tell. I I did not look up the the photo credits, but some of these do just do do look like like stock photos or extra photos that have been photoshopped. (laughs) I I think in other cases, the author just took a picture and said like, okay, this is Amara. Or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was interesting where like they kind of had to, you know, find someone who fit their. Ma- well, if, I guess fan casting has a long history, right? Long history. Way, way back before when like anyone figured they would ever like make an X-Men movie, there would be whole articles in like, you know, the geeky, you know, magazines and like Wizard Magazine or whatever to be like, who would you cast in a theoretical X-Men movie? <laughs> However, most of this isn't really fan casting because... Yeah, like you said, a lot of them are just like random photos pulled off the internet. Like you can fan, I could fan cast and say this random person off the internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe okay. I wouldn't, but I could. I think if we're gonna just talk about the images really quickly, yeah, you're right. A, most of them are. Some of them are the characters in the movie, and I think that's mostly when they had to do it. Yeah. Like for I, instance, Nightcrawler's actor does right. not look like Nightcrawler right. in you, real life. You can't life. just take a picture of Alan Cumming and say this yeah. is yeah. Earth. Yeah, right. I I think in this instance. They don't fan cast with other celebrities. They just do other uh, not as famous people. Mm-hmm. Fan casting or, would be like celebrities or. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That would just normally, random be, the photos case. normally and, be the case. And I actually have like. This person is obviously a fanfic author, mm-hmm. not probably a fan artist or photographer. I, I can't assume. But what I will say is that I feel like the picture choices it's not that they're not intentional it's just sometimes it 
they are intentional. And I think they probably worked hard to find those resources. But there's a complete lack of consistency. Like right. you're supposed to think that this is the same photographer. Yeah. And I these know. are like all in, the a, in a, an interview setting, a candid interview setting. Like, no, like the, some of these are like clearly just models posing for a catalog. In no like, way does it look like a, f- a photojournalism essay produced mm-mm, by a professional mm-mm. photographer Wanda's or an, or even, a, to me or even an ex-professional like, photographer. But yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's just what happens. You end up getting a lot, lot of like headshots and stuff. And-, and here's what I do like is that at least the author tries to justify that. Mm-hmm. At the end in the Aurora interview, she praises his work by saying like, you capture the person, you're really focused on people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> as opposed to anything else about them. Right. And I was like, okay, that's the author trying to justify that this is a deliberate artistic oh. choice by Peter Parker in doing this. Though they're not all face shots, many of them are. Actually, my biggest, like, issues, I guess, would be the ones that aren't face shots because they're clearly, like, posed. Like, yeah, the one of Bobby yeah. is, like, somebody created an entire set with, like, a bowling ball in the front and stuff. Like, this was it with professional lighting. Like, that's not what Peter says he's out to do. He says no, he's that, out that, to interview them. I, and, I like, think with a with the yeah. fan works creator working with scrounged material that you can't really ask for that sort of right. visual consistency. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> My only point is that I don't think the photos were the most important part to this author, and I think no. that's totally fine. Definitely not. I'm, I'm looking at the picture of Victor right now. It's definitely not the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> they... They had to do 32 of these, and they found an image that worked well enough for yes. them. Yes, and I, I would have given up after three. <laughs> yeah, I actually think, like I said, I actually think they probably did work pretty hard, especially in that, you know, day of the internet, to find photos that fit. 2009? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, you know, and uh, it would have been a, a, a maybe even just impossible to make ones that look like they were taken by the same photographer unless you took all your own photos. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, they put a lot of work into how this looks, considering that they, like, downloaded the um, uh, webpage format for the New York Times. They were interested <laughs> in creating, like, a... But, um, I was going to say performance piece, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, they were interested in creating an experience, I think. That's what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And re- replicate the experience of like yeah. something uh, amazing and otherworldly with the X-Men into something mundane like the New York Times, which I guess is supposed to be something you'd read. But <laughs> like, I-, I think that's interesting that they're trying to humanize these crazy concepts. And mm. I think that's sort of like a, something cool that can happen with fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I- I've never seen anything done like this before so now i do want to say most of these are broken links and i did not i did not have the time to follow up on them (laughs) but in the fan notes at the end the author does say i must also give a nod to figures whose works preceded mine jane st Clair and her now legendary imagine imaging the x-men uh musa mia's time lapse and m's the kids aren't all right and there's links to those Mm. you started this i just played a similar game in the same sandbox Hmm. Now, the reason we're play- we're reading this one in particular is because I found a recommendation for it, and therefore I had a reason to think it might be good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I now have recommendations for those other ones via this author. <laughs> but, but the point being that apparently this was not 100% like unprecedented. I, I don't know what those other ones were, but they presumably involved some kind of combination of photos and text. Could be, or could, could be just playing in the, um, not the Marvel movies. Well, the, the Marvel movie verse before... MCU came out. Right. Yeah. By the way, how's Cyclops alive? Doesn't he die in X3? X2? No, he definitely is alive in X2. X3. At the end of X... No, yeah, right at the very beginning of X3, he yeah. gets like late or something. <laughs> James Marston wanted out, I think. Yeah. And so like they killed oh. him. But, but he's here to be interviewed in this one. Well, they couldn't do that. It's their own continuity, right? Well, like guess. it's not... I guess I don't know that X3 happened. Maybe it didn't. Hasn't yet. That's right. <laughs> they they would have mentioned that if it hit. You know, that would did. make sense. Yeah. Um, Hank McCoy's around, but why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Okay, you know? so you said this was released in 2009? Yeah. 
When was X3 out? That's a good question. <laughs> Actually. Everyone Google quick. <laughs> I don't know because I never saw it. You never saw it? No. At, at 2006. The yeah. But no, it was out. It's, okay. They might have started writing before that. Um, or it like, might just be based on the first few. I don't know. Right, because they, they, yeah. they would have mentioned like the phoenix. <laughs> they would have mentioned the idea of a cure for mutations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, forget X three. I'm done. I already done. forgot X three. Ah, are there any individual interviews that either of you want to talk about? I kind of skimmed most of them, to be honest. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yes, individual interviews. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the thing as a whole and kind of as a, its own narrative, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't really feel like that sometimes. But like individual interviews, I really liked uh, Sunfire. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? The, yep, the okay. Japanese national hero. Yeah. So there's two things I want to say about that one. And the first is that this is a really good one where you get to see Peter's perspective and kind of um, him, see him at least have some sort of a character arc because obviously he went into this project with that guilt, um, but also with that sense of exploration. And it feels really authentic because when he interviews him, he was like, this guy seems kind of cocky. Like he's walking so <laughs> tall. And then Peter has a moment of self-reflection um, that he writes about. He says, oh, no, I just realized that all the costumed X-Men I met with, like the ones that aren't basically going stealth, hold their bodies lower and kind of shrink down. Oh. And he's the only one who stood really tall and proud. And then Peter goes, wow, like his... that that was me. That was all me, dude. And I, <laughs> I liked that, especially if you consider the allegorical nature of, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, X-Men, like thinking about, you know, racism and homophobia and transphobia, like yeah. all of those things. And also yeah. think about hanging out with his friend who was mutant closeted the whole time. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I believe Sunfire would be the only, like, or one of the only ones he interviews not from the U.S. culture, right? Mm. In his interview right. with Alex, they mentioned that there are, that the U.S. has a lot more, or like heavily industrialized nations have a lot more mutants, and like you know that's part of what Alex is doing research in. Um, but and so like Japan, you know, also quite industrialized. Anyway, yeah. the point being, um, he's from a different culture. They don't have apparently the same anti-mutant rhetoric in Japan in this universe, and he's like a celebrated national hero. Right. And so, yeah, he's he's just proud. He's just like standing <laughs> tall. Speaking about, but, um, so, sorry, Tori, you had one last thought there. Oh, yeah. No, th- there's the second thing. But if we want to follow up on what this, I just want what I did like about the interviews was the mention of MJ <laughs> oh, being involved. In I the... was going to say that, too, where <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of things where like. Peter's specific personality oozes through a whole lot, mm-hmm. but the fact that he cannot stop himself from talking about how great his wife is <laughs> is very Peter. Fiance, I think they're, okay. they're, they're going to be, be married. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, um, that could definitely lead us into some of the other interviews. I don't think it happens in the Sunfire one, but I did want to also just say like the last thing in the Sunfire interview is oh sure sure the reference to Superman. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that stand out to anybody else? Like he it basically Peter says. Of course, he's walking tall. He's, he's Japan's Superman. Superman. Yeah. No, I, I think in a fan work, anything goes. This isn't okay. Okay. Superman's a fictional character. Yeah. Though. There's no. In, there's no lore in Bible this there. universe, right? My in Marvel's <laughs> universe, Superman's a fictional character. Because was... otherwise, if Superman is real, no, it's a rabbit. <laughs> exactly, it's a rabbit. I, I like the way you're thinking, but I, I think it's just talking to the fans. But my assumption, no, I know, I know. yeah. My assumption was that Peter. <laughs> I just wanted to say that before we move right. on. Yeah. There's, there's comic books in this universe. There's superhero comic books. They feature a character named Superman. <laughs> Timely comics must not have gotten off the ground. <laughs> or maybe, it also just feels like a rabbit hole, too. But, but it's fine. It's fine. We don't need to go there. Yeah. Or maybe Superman is just like a generic term. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Well, it is now in our culture. He's Japan's yeah. own Nietzschean Superman. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Nietzschean Superman. <laughs> I didn't even think of it. Japan's own Uberman. <laughs> Anyway, MJ. Yeah, there's there's also this thing where like he talks to several like mutants who want to go into showbiz, and he's like, "Oh, let me refer you to my fiance." Mm-hmm. And at some, I feel like at some point he has some thought, some thought where he's like, "Maybe I should like 
I think he's joking that like, oh, at this rate, I should start my own talent agency or something. <laughs> oh, but yeah. really, I'm like, maybe you should check with your fiance before you send too many people her way. Well, yeah, well, like I, I couldn't recognize the mutant, but there was like one interview where like he thought they were too hot, so couldn't interview her. Oh, <laughs> so I, yeah. Had so, MJ do it instead. That's right. Who that was, was that? That was so weird. Um, uh, it's towards the bottom. It's after. Yeah, who, Mo- Monet. Yeah, right. Uh, Monet saying San, I don't know how to say her last that name. Sounds right. Saying Croy. Um, yeah, Monet's a um, a Generation X character who I'm less familiar with than hmm. some others. Let's see. There's Sunfire. Yeah, that felt a little weird <laughs> because, um, because the obvious because it's weird. Yeah, like because it's weird, <laughs> and Peter doesn't even really explain it he's just like i just couldn't bring myself to interview her because she's too beautiful and i was like what is wrong with you i I was like look among other things among multiple other things you have been interviewing a selection of the most beautiful people humanity has to offer this whole time like and like (laughs) another famous singer who is also he said he had two posters of of lila yeah Yeah, lila yeah what's 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 mune's mutant stuff uh she's some sort of she's basically superman i feel like like telepathic superman she has like all the powers okay i thought she had a charisma power or something by the way he was talking about exactly (laughs) yeah you would think there are such um such characters yeah, that's what I assumed what that was, but if that's not, then this is even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I, I, I pulled up the Marvel Marvel database for Monet St. Croix. Sorry, mm-hmm. Saint it has looked as his nicknames Supergirl meets Veronica Lodge. I think the, the character conflict when she, in Generation X, is that she's just, like, too super awesome and, like, I don't know, other people get jealous. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it was weird. That was a weird also, moment. Also... I don't know if he's just being hyperbolic, but he says he couldn't catch his breath enough to click the camera. And then I'm like, how'd you get the photo? He's being hyperbolic. I know. Hyperbolic time chamber. Uh, <laughs> really? That's where your mind goes? Yeah, every time the word hyperbolic is really? said yes. Correct. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> I wonder what it's like to be you, Amano. Uh, <laughs> well, here's another one I want to talk about. I thought... Jean-Paul's interview was very interesting. He's a very interesting figure as presented here. Yes. <laughs> and also just like it made me think so much about current events also. So Jean-Paul, he's, you know, the Canadian gay, super fast speedster North French Star. Canadian, Fr- right. French Canadian. French Canadian, yeah. correct. Um, he's from the Alpha Flight comics. And in this, he's described as a former Olympian, like multiple time Olympian, who whose medals were stripped from him after his positive X gene test. Right. His positive X gene test and the consequent stripping of all his medals very nearly turned Canada rabid. All the Canadian athletes skipped the closing ceremonies and protest, all this kind of thing. And then he turns that into book deals and such and his own like athletic brand and he's super wealthy. Um, and his, he, for one thing, he's got this like Ayn Randian kind of, you know, thing going on where yes. he's like, look, I'm so super awesome. I don't see why I should have to tur- like hold myself back from being super super awesome. And like th- that that fits well enough. Like it's a, it's a it's a fine take on North Star, but he also closes it out with this reference to also multiple time Olympic athlete Michael Phelps mm-hmm. in yeah. swimming. And yeah. I had to, I had to look up who he was talking about. But <laughs> Wait, like you you did yeah I did. You don't remember that whole thing where like everyone was all talking about Michael Phelps? No, I'm not out of touch with popular. No, culture. No, I'm out of touch with popular culture. <laughs> I, well, I always the, the, the only Olympics, reason I'm in touch with popular summer, culture yeah. is because popular culture became geek culture, and now I'm more in touch with popular culture. Yeah, th- this is how Amato would learn about Michael Phelps. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> through this fanfic. Yeah, and, I wonder what it's like to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should start a photo photo journalism essay series. Where I just take pictures of you. And have short interviews, yeah. Yeah. Photoshop them. A motto, threat or menace. (laughs) Like Photoshop with green with spikes. Yeah. Oh, we can talk about that one. But the point being, like, you know, Jean-Paul's like, 
look, you have this famous celebrated Olympian whose body is just a mutant for that gives him the potential to be the absolute best at swimming. Yeah. And also his family was wealthy and he could train a whole lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, like what so why are you coming after me with my ex gene? Yeah. Right. And I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard for me personally not to draw the parallels between the trans women in sports debate. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's just like this whole like, oh, who should be allowed to be like really good at sports? Like, (laughs) and as as a topic, like, like we are all in varying advantages. Like some of us have heart conditions. We're never going to be an Olympic athlete. Like, like, you know, there's genetic uh, outliers for everybody, every kind of community. Just the spectrum. However... I feel like the point that he's, I don't know if this is what you were getting to Avato, but like he's made an excellent point, but he's also not exactly on the up and up with how he's interpreting it, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a complicated situation, I guess. Like yeah. he says he's not like Magneto, but he's a little bit like Magneto. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> He says he's not a supremacist, but he also says that, like, we have these great... Ge- he kind of does that sort of capitalist thing where he's right. like, oh, he's, if he's, we're... He's also yeah. an asshole capitalist. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. so I appreciate your interpretation as Anne Randian. That's right. really appropriate, I think. That's kind of where he's coming from. Yeah. So he's just an interesting figure in this in this world, in this essay. And I appreciated the interview with him where, like, most of these people are, like, just folks. Mm-hmm. And like whatever else he is, this dude's not just folks. He's like uber wealthy, like, you know, uber famous. He's got controversial opinions. Like he's the only character who's mentioned to like have a queer sexuality. Other characters, I assume, do because of their comic book versions. Fair but like not. he's the only one who's it's just like, and also I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Well, actually, what Peter says is being gay made him more famous. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I could almost buy that for someone who is that like rich and wealthy. Right. Yeah, someone who's already that, that well off. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because anyway. uh, the way the interview starts is Jean Paul Bobier. I think so. Uh, made more money after his Olympic career. Yeah. That's saying a lot. So you, it's implied that he had a fuck ton of money even before that. Right, for sure. Also, if he's a speedster, why would you get skiing medals? <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that, well, look, they don't say what his power is here. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like they made the choice of having his sport not be track and field or something. Yeah. Like they gave him a sport where like I could see why it would be more controversial to take all his medals away, where it's not just like, you know, it's not just the flash in a foot race. Yeah. But, like, maybe his reaction times and all this are, like, incredible, or I don't know. What is his power specifically? Light and super speed. Like, is he fast or can he, like, manipulate velocity or something? Not that I remember. I think he has extra powers with his twin sister, but, like, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, like, I don't even see how that affects skiing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's complicated when we start talking about what is super speed to begin with. Yeah. Like, is it the ability to move your legs super fast and get your heart rate up super high? Right, right. That sort of seems to be the implication a lot of the time. And I'm like, yeah, okay, there's other factors here. Like, obviously, even if you could move your legs super fast and get your heart rate up and your metabolism up and you would still, your blood flow up, you would still, like, break all your fucking bones if you ran too fast. But but I think, and I think as presented in the comics, he's not the Quicksilver the Flash type, I run real fast. He's mm-hmm. like more like I fly real fast. I can just move my mm. body in the world real fast kind of thing. And, like, I can sort of accept that nebulous idea that, like, it could apply to skiing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it could be simply reaction time, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm checking the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, and in the meantime, I will say, like, yeah, as much as we're like, yeah, did Michael Phelps have an unfair advantage, blah, 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 and that, like, absolutely is totally fair, that this is the part that makes him seem Randian. Um, I simply do not see why there are such stifling laws for people born into greatness. Mm-hmm. Some are naturally <laughs> powerful, whether that be in athleticism, money, or business acumen. To deny them, us, 
us. The means <laughs> to achieve our potential is ignorant and economically inefficient. I can't believe you put business acumen there. Yeah, that's <laughs> economically inefficient. I I just like that killed that just like slayed. I know. I, I was like that well, is the perfect like two sentences to put into this character's mouth, right? For sure. Um, in terms of like people whose kind of position is interesting here, I also want to mention Lila Cheney, who we also mentioned as being a superstar, and she was a famous musician, mm-hmm. and then she was, um, she disappeared for a while. That might be a reference to the fact that like in the comics she traveled interstellarly using her mutant powers. I don't know, but the then revelation that she was a mutant. She was basically out as a mutant. She didn't like come out about it. It seems. Some parts of the mutant community accuse her of playing it safe by hiding her mutation until now, and Black Tuesday made hiding almost impossible. They also accuse her of not doing enough to help mutants in the country. And, like, that seems reasonable, because even now when Peter's talking to her about, like, now that you're out, will you be more active in the mutant community? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I will, I'm going to continue to support musicians, no matter their background. She, she's someone who doesn't want to identify as a mutant or be involved in the mutant community. Like... She didn't from the first place. She was closeted. She was outed. She still does not want to be a part of this. And like, he's not trying to villainize her, but it's like a, it's an interesting perspective to remember to put in there of like, you know, uh, she was a wealthy, influential person who probably could have done a lot of good for the student community and didn't. Right. And still isn't. Yeah. So like, it's hard not to be a little bit critical of her there. Yeah. Not how, how how they identify, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of what makes these little, little tidbitty little photo essays so interesting is it's also really revealing of Peter's character. Like, his opinions are very clear mm-hmm. in the way that he... You know who he likes more. The author, and who he right? Likes yeah. Less, right. Um, <laughs> And like, he, this was a good one because he says, I, I'm not sure if I can falter for that, but still, I, I think he's, I can't remember exactly what he said, but still, I I feel like maybe she should have that responsibility. Mm. And it's so. interesting how like removed Peter feels from all of this too. Hmm. He is approaching this as, as an outsider, it seems like. I think well, we're, he is, yeah. you were talking before the, before we started recording Tori, I think, that like, isn't he basically a mutant? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I you, mean, you were asking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he has a mutation. He was. He doesn't have, like you said about the X gene, right? And therefore, he wasn't affected by the X gene specific mind blast, so he wasn't yeah, outed I mean, as a mutant. You know, so Marvel continuities always like, draw this distinction between like, did something weird happen to you, or was it just always a part of your genetic makeup? Like, I, I appreciate what they did in House of M. Mm-hmm. If you remember, have you read that? I do remember because he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity because who, in the in the House of M universe, being a mutant is upper class, right? Yeah, mm. and he's passing as a mutant. Yeah, in he's, House of he's M. That's mutant right. passing. That's um, like <laughs> Ultimate Spider Man, the TV show. You yeah. remember that show where he uh, was like, that the CGI one? I remember Spectacular no, 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 Spider Man. No, 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 no. It was like Spectacular, six, Spectacular Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It came out in um like two thousand or something like that. Yeah, but but in House of M, when when it's found out and released, released to the public that he was bitten by a spider, doesn't have the X gene, then he got no, that, that that was yeah. that was a disgrace for that Peter Parker. Spider Man Unlimited. Oh, okay. oh yeah, right. Uh, look, there's been a lot of Spider Man TV shows. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I think they all showed yes, up in Across yes. the Spider-Verse at oh, some okay. point. <laughs> you know what's crazy is I watched this show, sorry, Tangent. It came out in 99. Um, I watched this show all the time when I was uh, growing mm-hmm. up and I loved it. It's really good. So he goes to an, al- he gets transported to an alternate dimension where like basically humans are second class citizens and mutants are preference. Okay. But the mutants have awesome. like, <laughs> yeah, the mutants I have like visible, like they're human animal hybrids basically. Okay. Visibly so. Um, but Peter is not obviously visibly so, but then he's also got his powers. It is old. I just rewatched it. It's only 12, 13 episodes. I swear this series was really freaking long because I remember like so much depth to it. But <laughs> So look for Spider-Man Unlimited fanfic is what you're telling me here. 13. Yeah, no, it's really good, though. I love the animation <laughs> style. It's got this really great use of black, you know, that kind of like, I don't know, very kind of late 90s style of just using like a lot of black blocking into the animation. Mm. I, it's hard to describe. Mm. I'm sure there's a word for it. 
Anyway. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Mutants? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Peter Parker's uh, point of view. Oh, yes. The mutants. Yeah. There's people he clearly gels with more. There's people who he's clearly more leery of. Like when he's talking to Emma Frost and he's like, uh, these extremely wealthy donors that you have for your private school, like it's this isn't like a quid pro pro thing. Like nothing sketchy is going on here. And she's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Press X to doubt. <laughs> for sure. So yeah. Or, or like how he's like, oh, I want to hang out with Midrox all the time. With <laughs> Oh, yeah. Jamie Murdo, how, how do you say his name? Murdochs. Mur- Mur- what Murdochs? <laughs> I don't know. Multiple man. Multiple man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, because like he, yeah, he's really good at just capturing the characters. That was one thing I was gonna say, and and like things vary, you know. Like sometimes there's a little bit of commentary. Sometimes like I really liked um. Amara's interview because mm-hmm. all they talk about is, is that how yeah they go to a Brazilian <laughs> restaurant that she's um training to become a chef at mm-hmm. and it's one of the ones that all they basically serve is the big meat sword this meat off the swords uh and like uh there's just like a little cute like there's that's all they really talk about like yeah. and it's really cute and then it's like um She's like, I want to cook like every type of Brazilian food. And he's like, but the swords are so cool. And she then goes, I'll strip you vishwata on a sword. <laughs> and if, if people don't know, vishwata is like a, a rice stew with sausage. <laughs> like you you could not put vishwata on a sword. But it's uh, it was just really that's very cute. cute. And yeah. that's the end of the interview. And that's all. And it's just absolutely adorable. Yeah. So some of these are just really wholesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I appreciate the concept of creating this interesting framing device in a series of drabbles. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it too. I, it made me appreciate the drabbles more that like kind of, they were in part of this larger frame story. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was interesting as, you know, a more than casual X-Men fan kind of seeing the interpretations of the characters in this more realistic universe. And like, in that sense, I feel like the characters that were new, I found most interesting. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, like who, or new or just like basically not explored at all in the movies. Or whether they're creating their own characterization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, last comment about, by the way, Peter's perspective. He does work in a be- an Uncle Ben reference, as he oh. would have to during mm-hmm. the Scott Summers interview. Le- oh, legally obliged. Yeah. <laughs> the Scott Summers interview. He doesn't actually unquote, say anything. Because Scott doesn't say a damn thing. <laughs> Perfect. No notes. Hilarious. He was like, Peter even says, I would have walked out of that interview right then and there if I hadn't seen him holding hands with the little girl. Yep. And and that's when, yeah, he talks about, I, and then looking have... at her like he was Uncle Ben, basically. Right. Would do anything for this little girl. What does Scott have to say? Who cares? <laughs> Amen. <No. laughs> <laughs> then we move on to Blindfold. That's who we actually cared about in the story. <laughs> But he does he does give Scott that moment of like seeming like a caring parent. Right. And I was like, okay, we we can give Scott something. I, I, guess. I know. He he was trying to like mix up the format too. I, yeah. I understand. Both he, Peter Parker, and she, the author, were trying to mix mm-hmm. up the format a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I know I love it. It's so fun to kind of talk about this as if it was really written by Peter Parker. <laughs> but clearly it was written by an author. One thing it doesn't have is a conclusion, which I think is pretty standard for this kind of photojournalism though is like you interview and then you show the pictures and whatever text goes with the pictures yeah i think i appreciate them trying to stick to the uh, new york times like format style Mm -hmm. but it probably would have been better if they had it as like a pdf or something with pages and they they could end it with a with a conclusion or something i think i i think narratively some kind of conclusion would have closed the narrative a little bit but i understand yeah i I appreciate the format yeah I, I actually think it's kind of it does have a conclusion in a sense if you treat um all of these little photojournalism essays as a progression, which honestly, like I don't think you know obviously these are meant to be implied to have been done over like a couple of years. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be the case in this sort of photojournalism. But instead, there's a clear progression from going kind of lighthearted with um, 
starting with Kitty and being like, we mm-hmm. used to be in the same class together and like blah, blah, blah. To ending with Aurora, who just has like these kind of uh, really poignant thoughts. Um, and then he also like throws back to uh, to Doug, yeah. to Doug mm-hmm. which is why he started this whole project in the first place. Now, I agree that we don't get a conclusion to the story in terms of what happened with Doug. Mm-hmm. But in the and same wh- sense, it it one could not he- not a narrative with a yeah. beginning, middle, end. It's just also trying to also be this other thing, right? Mm-hmm. This photojournalism. It it occurs to me that I, I, you're right, Tori. Like that, it is set up for the Aurora interview, the last one there, to be like the the conclusion. It, it occurs to me that I would have been tempted to have a postscript and have him say, after this article was published, <laughs> like you know. D- Doug got back in touch with me or I heard from Doug or like or like I heard something about Doug just like something I don't know in that and the fact that the author didn't do that and let his disappearance still be like a total you know mystery uh, unresolved I think that was a, a choice yeah. and like not necessarily a bad one I think that's a good choice mm-hmm. it probably would have felt better if they took like the last half of the intro where it's like Hey Doug, we're still waiting to have another D and D party with you, and put right. it after all of that. Uh, yeah, I, for, for for context, I think. I see. Yeah, mm. would would have been interesting because mm. the whole idea is that this is his call to Doug. Basically. Yeah, yeah. No, I I do think I agree with that, but I also honestly really like the ending, which is um. Well, shoot. Should we move into praise? And I can say yeah, that as sure. one of my praises. Well, first we do things that we want to complain about. Oh, that's right. Oh, this how is... did I forget? <laughs> um, look, I can't actually call this a complaint about the creation of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. It's very, very awkward on a, on a handheld device. Well, it, it's also it's awkward on the computer too. It's just kind of awkward. It's a little awkward to navigate. It, it, There's not even a next interview button, which yeah. one would expect there to be. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to kind of like navigate to the pictures and press another one every single time. Yeah. I- I'm just going to pile on where formatting is my uh, thing I didn't like mm-hmm. about it. I-, I appreciate the intent about it, but it could have been executed better and you could have done it in Photoshop and just doctored it up to look like New York Times page or something or, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah the weakest point was the formatting, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Absolutely. I admire <laughs> the ambition. But like, I I did start to first look at this on my phone, even though you told me not to, Amato. But <laughs> I, I followed the link you sent me and it got me to that, that intro page. And then there's so many things above and below. I was like, is this the whole fanfic? Oh, the yeah. only reason I realized that that was not the whole fanfic is because you told me it was about 800,000 or 8,000 words. And uh-huh. I went, this is not what I just read is not 8,000 words. I can't. I'm I sorry. Can tell. I should have been clear. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's not your fault because even when I went on my computer, you know, it's, it's just not clear which links lead to where and how you're supposed to navigate the page. It took me a little while to realize that you're supposed to click on the photos. Yeah. We were also talking because about, there's so many highlighted links that go yeah, nowhere. Fake, fake links. Yeah. Yeah. But then you just see this corner of little pictures and like, those are the things you're supposed to click on. So if anything, I would just say there could have been a little more clarity in website format. Yeah, we were talking about the abundance of clickable links that didn't appear to do anything, which was confusing. Mm-hmm. And for someone obsessive like me, I had to check all of them out to make sure there wasn't something, <laughs> which was time consuming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I think maybe a more flat format would have suited it better. Um, but if we are talking about formatting, I do want to, if we're moving into praise, mm-hmm. I do love the conceit and I love some of the little details here. Mm-hmm. For example, there's links to past coverage yeah. of, of related articles like mutant registration bill receives second reading in Senate. <laughs> and <laughs> what I like even better is that like there's like inside New York Times.com and it's like, you know, an article from different areas, right? Yeah. Well, well what I was talking about is as it looks like a New York Times uh, webpage or it's supposed to, there's references to other New York Times articles that. And then talks about other New York Times articles in this um, fiction. Right. In this continuity. And so, and some of them are totally normal. Like the New York City slash region one is fantastic couple renew their vows. And it's like the little human interest piece. Mm-hmm. The opinion one is if marijuana is legal, will addiction rise? Mm-hmm. Arts. Caraviago at the Met. 
U.S. Daredevil sightings increase. <laughs> World. The Hulk leaves destruction in its wake. <laughs> I just love that, like, yeah. the, the, the New York Times at this time when, you know, when Peter is releasing this article, it has... It has news about the Hulk somewhere in the world, and it has news about Caraviago being at the Met well, I, I, at arts. Yeah, like, I like how I also mentioned that one Senator flip flopping on uh, the human registration. Uh, Senator mutant- Kelly's soft stance on mutant terrorism chastised. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean it, it's lovely too. It's like uh, it's it's obviously these titles aren't elaborated on, but they are so funny to read. Yeah, um, I, I think that's yeah. a lot of it. Just the with that, with like the drabbles, it's just short, um, filled with important phrases and little stories that get a lot of emotion and thought across and just, you know, talking with fans about fan stuff that they, they would know. Yeah. Yeah. It's very charming. Charming. <laughs> I'm charmed. <laughs> and there's so much like characterization. And like I said, it's wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my my praise is is a couple of things. Like I think mostly it's that they managed to pack in so much characterization and such little points, but also that they um, I don't know if they did research or these were just topics they knew about. But like in a lot of interviews, they're sort of trying to say like, oh, this character, you know, now that they're older, they have a job or a special interest or a passion or something they're working towards. So like with Rogue, it's motorcycles. So they just throw in one sentence that's like, Rogue's working on this motorcycle and it's like, like this, this custom detailing of motorcycles or yeah, something. Yeah. But like they they do a specific like this model that she's working on right now and like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> Same thing with the Brazilian food with Omara. Mm-hmm. They were very specific about like just once one or two sentences usually um the bent grass um which was like oh god i even forgot who was talking about that but that was like also that analogy that like the bent grass only grows near lead mines because it's evolved that way Mm -hmm. with the toxicity but that's because the person speaking about it was a geologist and Mm -hmm. so they understood this sort of stuff so like each character gets their like tidbit of interview information where they get to demonstrate their knowledge and like in a very specific know. way yeah very like, specific yeah like you, you specific would, like, enough that it clearly to took some effort right? yeah exactly right. and it just made to me it made it feel real really real but also like i felt like i learned stuff you know <laughs> like, i don't that's know that's why we come to fanfic yeah for the educational content i mean you Absolutely. just talked about learning about michael phelps <laughs> i did learn about michael phelps you did it's true Congratulations. and how his legs are very short Compared to the rest of his body, he's got a big wingspan. Got, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and his arms span. are long. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last thing is that I did, I did really want to read out this last part with Aurora because I, I do think it's a good conclusion. Okay. It doesn't really wrap any everything up, but I think it's sweet. Basically, it starts as like you know she's calm. She's so much calm compared to Victor, who was just interviewed, and then Peter wants to take her photo, and he he and Victor are both surprised that she wants to dance. So she says, dancing is a celebration. You're doing something good here. I think that calls for a dance. I'm just taking pictures, I said, my ears burning. Yes, and they are lovely. You see us through uncommonly naked eyes. You focus on our faces, not our mutations. You hear our stories, not our headlines. We really are normal to you, aren't we? I don't think you're normal any more than, gosh, Mozart or Bill Gates is normal, she smiled. What would you call us then? I gave it a thought. I don't know. I'm not really a writer. I guess when you put it all together, you're just people. Sunlight flooded the studio. I think wherever he is, I made Doug proud with my answer. And that's the last one. That's nice. I also want to give a thumbs up to having Toby Maguire or Peter Parker say gosh. (laughs) Gosh. I think that's on point. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I I tried to forget about Toby Maguire, but... That you was this Spider-Man, huh? You don't like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? I think he's cute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, not, like, attractive, but... Sorry, Tobey Maguire, that was weird. <laughs> Adorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I, I like Tom Holland better. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Tom Holland is also adorable. <laughs> all right. So that was the mutant problem. Mm-hmm. We all grew a little. We learned a little. <laughs> um, you can find it on 
the place where it's hosted on madweasel.com. Did I mention the author's name? The author's name is Cat. You did not the entire time. <laughs> K-A-T-T. Peter Parker. The author's name is Peter Parker. <laughs> Clearly. We, we were talking about, like, it was Peter Parker. I know. It was hard not to, right? Because of that weird, like... It was just yeah. a, such a fun idea. Yeah. yeah. Right. I want to hear more, you know, more journalism by Peter Parker. By fictional characters? <laughs> I like yeah, actually... I just, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I guess just by fictional characters in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, you know what would be great is if this author came back to this and like really fleshed out all the links they put on the website <laughs> and like wrote as different people in the Marvel Universe. Like, do that, cat. I'm rooting for you. But would it be fun to write as J. Drummond? Oh, I was just thinking what I would <laughs> yeah. absolutely read the, is a series of editor a fanfic in the form of editorials by J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> well, you that have, would be amazing. That'd be amazing. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, does J. Jonah Jameson do writing or is he just like the chief editor nowadays? I, I've got to imagine he cannot help himself from writing editorials. Yeah, he, he well, would have like editorial pieces about stuff. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing, is like, is the piece that Peter wrote that Peter, sorry, took photos for, was that written? What, by it, Jameson, it, the, it, the one that upset <laughs> Doug in the first place. Like it, it would be funny if you see where these photos were used by J. Jonah Jameson in different places for mutant slam articles and stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just really want to know what the precursor article to this that like yeah. caused all the problems. Was I think too. that would probably be less fun to read. Anyways, the the author is Peter the Parker. <laughs> The author is Cat. You can find a link to it on their live journal account, which is also where the comments live, but you can get there by clicking comments on the website of the mutant problem. So I'll just be mm -hmm. linking directly to the mutant That's problem. That's one of the links that actually works. Yes, one of the very few. <laughs> yeah. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by Della Rose, whose mutation is being willing to do editing for a fanfic podcast for like four years. That's what my doctor says. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually been five years. Oh, God. <laughs> almost, almost in August. In yeah, August. this last year I've been running on Steam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did it for four years so on have gas. And then... Yeah, it's a very specific <laughs> mutant power for four years. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You can find our <laughs> podcast on our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter or such at retrofanfic. You could also write an editorial, a letter to the editor. I assume most of you are not actually like editors of newspapers. Um, or... Leave a comment on our photo essay. I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. <laughs> I'm Della. <laughs> We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other and dance. Until next time, take care. I like how angry you were about being Amato. <laughs> <laughs> I firmly believe someone should film us recording sometime. Like, on one of these ones. I don't know what it is about today, but I, I just literally had to put my head fully down. Give me pictures of Amato. <laughs> On my desk. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs>